name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is Let's get myself organized here. Today is the procession of the cross. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Father and I were somewhat unprepared to uh, do the procession today. And um, as we were debating whether or not to make it happen, we looked over the hymns of the Orthros service. And Father says, everything's of the cross. And I said, everything but the homily. <laughs> and he said, well, just weave it in. <laughs> but, but this feast is a feast where we commemorate a really somewhat later feast of the church. In I think it's the 1400s or so, it was uh, maybe the 1300s, both the Russians and the Greeks agreed to establish this feast on August 1st as a commemoration for some victories over some invading armies. And also, because it was noted that many, many people suffered illnesses during the heat of the summer. And so it was agreed that the cross, not the blessing cross, but the true cross, which was taken out from its place and taken into the church of Hagia Sophia in Constantinople, was then processed through the city on that day to commemorate that. For us modern Christians, this is yet another day when we can lift up the cross and be reminded of all that Christ has worked for our salvation. And be reminded also to take up our cross and, and follow him as he commanded us to do. <clears throat> In today's gospel, it is perhaps an echo of another gospel where four men were bringing a paralyzed man on, on a bed to Christ. And in the other gospel, they, they lower him through the roof. Um, taking off the roof is very dramatic as they lower him somehow into the presence of Christ because they couldn't get into the house. This one may be a shortened version of that same event, or it's not inconceivable that perhaps Many people at, at various times had been carried to Christ to be healed. When Jesus sees him, he says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. They didn't ask anything yet. They didn't ask to be healed. They merely were carried into his presence. He said, he saw their faith, and he said, take heart, your sins are forgiven. But when he heard the grumblings, of the scribes and the Pharisees. Or he said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says, rise, take up your pallet, and walk. Which is a greater miracle? For him to have his sins forgiven, or that he would be able to be healed of his paralysis? St. Sophroni when he, of Essex, when people were brought to him, he would pray for them, and many of them were cured. And he 
there was a number of healings associated with his prayers. And he always downplayed those amongst his disciples and the monks who attended him. He said, he says, don't, don't think of that as the miracle. The miracle is the repentance of this man or person who the Lord has brought to me. That is the greater miracle. And in the same way in the gospel today, Jesus prioritizes. First, your sins are forgiven. And then, rise and be healed, showing us which is the greater miracle. Now, as I was reading this, I couldn't stop thinking of a conversation that I'd had with a very old friend of mine. His name is Bruce, and we hadn't spent much time together in the last 40 years, but we were um, given the opportunity to drive from Portland to Eugene to attend our high school reunion, and we had long conversations. And at one point, um, I hadn't brought up the faith. I hadn't really brought up anything spiritual. He said that he had come back to church about 10 years ago and started coming back to church. And he asked me, because he knew that I was a deacon in the Orthodox Church, he said, well, what's, what's really the difference between the Orthodox Church and other churches? And that's a really big question. And I'm driving down the road, and, I, and I, I didn't know exactly where he was at. So I started talking to him about some theological points, mainly about how we define grace as opposed to some of the um, other ways that the Protestants define grace. And I think I went on a little bit, a little bit too theological or something. But after a while, I don't know if I just took a pause or if he stopped me and he said, yeah, that's, that's a lot of deep stuff. <laughs> he said, really, you know, that's, that's really not for me. He said, my whole life, I always thought that I wasn't good enough. The gospel message had never penetrated his heart. He didn't, he didn't understand. He went to church with his mother, and his, his father had given up going to church. But he, he said, honestly, I wasn't good enough. And in high school, he confessed that a youth pastor said to him, well, Bruce, are you a Christian? And he had to say, I don't think I am. I, I, and in his mind, he said, I'm not good enough. And he stayed away from the church for the next 30 years or so. And he said, but he decided to go back to church. He wasn't quite sure. Why? But he and his wife decided to go to church, start going to church again. And he met some Christian businessmen. He didn't know there was such a thing. No offense, no offense, that's his words. <clears throat> and uh, he said, someone explain to me what grace is. And he explained to me the forgiveness of God. And he said, I know now that I'm forgiven. By, by God's grace, I'm forgiven. And I know that he loves me. And that I'm not good enough. But that I don't have to be. And he said, and that's enough for me. And this conversation 
just reminded me that every single person is on a God-given path to Christ. Every single person. And they're in a different place than we are. They may not share our creed. They may not share some of our theology or their understanding. And from our perspective, they, their faith may not be as deep as ours. But every single person is where they are because God is leading them by the Holy Spirit. And by God's grace, we sometimes get to participate in helping them grow in their faith. But that we should not count anyone out. That we should not denigrate anyone's faith. Because for them in this moment, Bruce knew he was forgiven and loved by God. And I was speechless because I had nothing that I could add to that theology. <clears throat> so my um, homily today is actually three short things that are probably unrelated and mostly unrelated not only to each other but perhaps to the cross. But the second thing, as I was reading the epistle for today, I was reminded of two 19-year-old young men who one summer, one of them was me and a friend, we decided that we were going to memorize some scripture. And we each chose a chapter from the epistles. And we came back together and told each other what they were going to be and that we were going to hold each other accountable to memorize these. Of course, I chose an easy, short one. And uh, my friend chose Romans chapter 12, which is a portion of what we read today, which is a beautiful chapter which begins, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, what is the perfect will of God. Now that piece there is the introduction to this chapter. And it's not in our reading today. What is in our reading today is a reminder that all of us on our God-given paths to Christ have various gifts. And we are called to use them for to the best of our ability. And then he sort of gives us a list. Now, if you know me, you know I like lists, to-do lists specifically. And so I have a to-do list for you today. But it's not a to-do list for me, really. It's a to-do list from St. Paul. And from St. Paul, we can be assured it is from Christ. Because Paul, in his writings, puts flesh on the commandments of Christ as to how we can live out the principal commandments of Christ, which is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. How we do that is contained in much of the writings of St. Paul. So here's your to-do list. Um, it's in the bulletin, so um, you, can, you don't have to write this down. But we should revisit and write this down. Give generously. Show mercy cheerfully. 
Let your love be genuine. That is, let your love be sincere. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal. Don't let your, your love wane. Be a glow with the spirit. That is, don't quench the spirit, but feed the work of the Holy Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. St. John of Kronstadt and others uh, of the fathers say that we should both pray, read our prayers slowly, and read scripture slowly so that the words that we say with our mouths and we hear with our ears have a chance to echo in our hearts. And so I don't have anything more to say about that to-do list except perhaps pin it up and start doing it. Number three. Who here has a mother? It's almost 100%. <laughs> and if you were asked, who has been the most important person in your life? Perhaps the younger you are when you're asked this question, the more likely you're to answer, well, of course, it's your mother. Your mother is likely the most important person in your life. And I'm going to say something quite obvious, but we have another mother, one who has been given to us by God. And after, the, after Christ, the Holy Spirit, and our Father, the Holy Trinity, the most important person in our lives is our mother, our Holy Mother, the Theotokos, the Mother of God. Now, almost all of us, or many of us, come from a Protestant background, where the veneration, or the honor even, given to the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God. Um, we're not accustomed to it. We're not used to it. And I confess that I do not think that even after 20 years of being an Orthodox Christian, that I really give her the place in my life that I should. Now, just how important is she? If we listen to the hymns of the church and the various feast days, we get a sense. But I've heard some fathers say that everything is contained within the liturgy. Now, the liturgy sets forth, I think, in really bold terms, during this particular hymn that we sing, at the consecration. We hymn thee, 
We bless thee. We give thanks to thee, O Lord. We pray to thee, our God. We sing this hymn slowly while the priest, that is, our priest, is enacting the sacrifice in the role of the high priesthood of Christ. He goes on and says, the invocation of the Holy Spirit is coming up upon us and upon these gifts set forth while we sing the hymn. And once the Holy Spirit has come and the holy gifts are made, the body and blood of our Lord and God, that is, when the bread and the wine have been mystically changed into the body and blood of Christ, the priest then says, we offer unto thee this reasonable service for them that have gone to their rest in faith, for our fathers, patriarchs, prophets, apostles, preachers, evangelists, martyrs, confessors, ascetics, and for every righteous spirit made faith, or made perfect in faith. And most of the time this is said quietly. And think this is immediately after the consecration, where Christ the high priest in the man of our priest is giving thanks for everything and he gives thanks for all the saints and the first exclamation after this most holy moment in the liturgy this most intense movement of our hearts he says especially for our most holy pure blessed and glorious lady the Theotokos so at this moment, when we are giving thanks for the gifts, we're giving thanks for all the saints. We are giving thanks especially for the Mother of God. He says, Christ has given us his saints, and above them all, he has given us his pure and holy Mother, truly the most sublime of all his gifts to mankind. Our gratitude to God therefore reaches its peak after the consecration as the priest commemorates the Holy Mother of God. This reminds us also at the peak of our Lord's passion when he is perhaps suffering the most on the cross where everything but one thing is finished and Christ has not yet said it is finished. He looks down upon his mother and the disciple he loves, and he says to his disciple and to all of us, he says, behold your mother. Christ, in the, the peak of his passion, in the, the, the moment of his working the salvation of all humanity, he cares also for his mother. It's as if he says, especially for our mother. There is perhaps nothing more that we can be thankful for. Now we have a week ahead of us where we are going to honor the mother of our God as we approach the feast of her dormition. And hopefully there will be much said and much thought about in her life. I had more to say, but perhaps we'll save these for another time. I encourage all of you this week to reach out to the Mother of God. 
where she is our prototype. She is the one who has showed us what it is like to be a Christian. She has showed us what it means to take up our crosses and follow Christ. She was with Christ for all of his life and saw every miraculous thing, both those recorded in scriptures and many more that were not. And it says that she cherished all of these things in her heart. And she perhaps shows us the epitome of what it means for us to be a Christian. When at the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel comes to her and tells her what's about to happen. And she says, be it done to me according to your word. She's essentially saying, I give up all of my right to my own life so that I can live for God. And this is what God asks for us. We offer up our lives to him, and he gives our lives back to us. Now, there are those who would argue that when we pay attention or give honor to the Virgin Mary, that we somehow take away from honoring Christ. But where is she now? She is with Christ. She is in Christ. She is next to Christ. She is before Christ. And as we honor her, we are honoring her in Christ. And so we will find that as we draw near to her, we are drawn near to Christ. Amen.